you ever watch the Jimmy Fallon show, The Tonight Show, at the beginning, he always is like, this is it. You made it. This is the big one. Welcome to The Tonight Show. And, and I feel like for Christianity, it's like, this is it. This is the big one. This is the day we celebrate. Amen? Amen. So I think we need to do a woohoo. Let's go woohoo! All right. If you're around here very much every few weeks, I got to throw a woohoo in there. So that's my word, woohoo. Um, so the big picture today is that that we're praising and worshiping God because this is the it's the biggest event in history. Um, it's even bigger than the Cubs winning the World Series two years ago. And uh, I just thought you might want to see this hat that I have. I, I didn't bring my sweatshirt that I have too, but you you probably know they started their quest for their second World Series in 100 years uh, on Thursday. They're 2-1 and one so far. Um, but this, that is nothing compared to the, the resurrection, okay? So I, I thought about preaching in my hat, but I'm not even going to do that, okay? So is there any other Cubs fans out there? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Michelle's in the house with a Cubs fan, yes! That's awesome! Okay. So, with kind of a celebratory mindset this morning, we're going we're gonna to touch on an aspect of the resurrection that most of us probably have never really kind of given a second thought about. Um, we're going to touch on two events that happened surrounding the death and resurrection of Jesus, and these are, I, I think they're events that were, were a way for God to emphasize just how important the resurrection was. And so, we're going to talk about earthquakes a little bit today. Uh, did you realize that there was actually an earthquake right after Jesus died? and then another earthquake on the morning of his resurrection. And I don't think God would have included these details in Scripture uh, just for the fun of it. And so uh, let me ask, first of all, how many of you have ever been in an earthquake? You ever, ever felt an earthquake? Okay. So a lot of you. Um, you know, if it's, if it's one around here, you know, it's probably kind of a small one. Um, but have any of you ever been kind of like a scary kind of earthquake that just really, yeah, it, uh, it gets your attention, right? Um, I, I've been in a couple uh, earthquakes when I was in Taiwan, and uh, not major ones, but, but in Taiwan, there's, it's an island off the coast of China, and there's seven fault lines under this island, so they're always shifting, and, and they're having earthquakes. Every year or two, they have a, a major earthquake. They had one about a month ago, killing quite a few people, um, but... You know, around here, we're usually, we're worried about tornadoes, right? That's our big, we're coming into tornado season. They say there's the potential for a big earthquake in Missouri, that it could happen at some point. But, but around the world, earthquakes, they can be terribly devastating. Uh, throughout history, earthquakes have been some of the most catastrophic events ever recorded. And you might remember the earthquake on December 26, 2004. There's a 9.1 magnitude earthquake in the Indian Ocean, and they had tsunamis, and and it ended up killing 250,000 people. Um, so terrible thing. It, about a million people were displaced from their homes. Um, they said they felt it as far away as Alaska. And seismologists found that it actually changed the pull of gravity in that area uh, during the earthquake. So, so earthquakes are, can be terrible. I think that most earthquakes are just part of our, our world. Uh, they are under God's sovereignty, but he isn't necessarily just kind of causing them and saying, okay, I'm going to do this this time. Um, there's debate about whether things changed after the fall of man, yeah, but we're not going to get into that discussion today. But apart from earthquakes just ca- you know, caused by the shifting of the earth or by volcanic activity, I think God has often, often 
also use earthquakes to kind of fulfill his purposes and, and to get people's attention. So there's several examples in the Old Testament. In fact, many of the major events of the Old Testament uh, are associated with earthquakes. For example, before God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, it says a, a great shaking of the mountain occurred. And it's no doubt that this earthquake helped prepare Moses and Israel for the important truths that the Lord had in mind for them. He's going to communicate to them. Another time in 1 Samuel 15, Israel conquered the Philistines near Geba after an earthquake occurred in the camp. Okay, Jonathan and his armor bearer were separated from the army and would otherwise have been killed by the Philistines. And, and so God used the earthquake to help protect them in that case. There's one time in 1 Kings 19, God used the combination of fire and a great wind and an earthquake to kind of get the prophet Elijah's attention. And, and in this case, God showed Elijah he does not need to use a mighty earthquake or a wind or a fire to speak, but, but he can sometimes reveal himself in just kind of a, a still small voice. So God has a variety of ways to try to get our attention. What I want you guys to be thinking about this morning and, and hopefully this week as well is how God is trying to get your attention okay he might be violently trying to shake you like wake up and your head is just kind of pounding back and forth or he might just be kind of speaking to you in a a small gentle way Um, and so we each kind of need to to be thinking about that and so with that as the background let's take a look at our two earthquakes from our story today the first one's in Matthew 27 Verse 50 through 54, and you can follow along up here if you'd like or in your Bibles. Uh, this is right at the end for Jesus. Okay, He had been through all the torture. He had been treated like a criminal. He had been betrayed by most of his followers. For three hours, right before our passage, the darkness came over the land. During the day, it was completely dark. And then starting in Matthew 27, 50, this is in the message version. It says, But Jesus, again crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. There was an earthquake, and rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up, and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs, entered the the holy city, and appeared to many. The captain and the guard and those with him, when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death. They said, this has to be the Son of God. So this is crazy stuff going on here, right? Okay, it was like God was saying to the people, yes, it really was the the Son of God that you just killed. This this isn't just a normal crucifixion, and now go on with your lives. Okay, all kinds of weird stuff was happening, but but one of the things that God did amidst all this craziness was just shake the land and, and strong enough to split rocks into pieces. And so this wasn't just a little tremor. This was a major earthquake. And I think a whole lot of people were saying, what have we done? What have we done? They, they were scared. Now, if that was it, if that was the end, I think it would have just left people wondering, you know, what, what this was all about. But I think most people, most things would have pretty quickly gone back to the way they were. Most of his followers would have thought, you know, well, it was you know, a good run while it lasted. Uh, his disciples, I think, would have been lost for quite a while. They were so confused by what was happening, even though Jesus had tried to tell them. But it wasn't the end. 
And that's the good thing. It was just the beginning, and they were about to see the completion of what Jesus came to do. So three days later, not three full days, you had part of Friday, you had all of Saturday, and then part of Sunday, there was another earthquake. But this earthquake wasn't about death, it was about life. And, and so here we go, this is the good news, let's get ready to read this, this is exciting stuff, it's Matthew 28, 1 through 6. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were like white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Okay. So it says there was a violent earthquake, and not just a little earthquake. And, and I'm not sure who all felt the earthquake. I'm, I'm sure everybody in the area felt the earth shake. But it, it, it didn't seem to click with people at this point. Like, oh, okay, this is probably Jesus raising from the dead. No. But I think God had the author, Matthew, record this detail about the violent earthquakes on either end so that we would be able to read this and symbolically see that Jesus is getting ready to shake up the world. Okay, it was God emphasizing the point, my son is alive. He conquered death. He did this for every one of you. Now, what are you going to do about it? Now, if you look up earthquake in the Webster Dictionary, there's, there's two definitions listed. One of them is a shaking or trembling of the earth that is volcanic or tectonic in origin. Okay, so basically the tectonic plates in the earth shift underneath us somewhere, or there's a, a volcano that explodes and it shakes the earth. Um, okay, this is what we typically think about. This is what an earthquake is. But listen to this. Th this is good stuff, I think. The other definition of earthquake is simply upheaval. And, and then if you look up the definition of upheaval, uh, one of the definitions is, is tied to the moving of the earth, um, which we typically think of. The other definition of upheaval is radical change radical change now a lot of times we hear the word upheaval and we think it's a government that being overthrown or um you know there's great upheaval in a country and it's a bad thing but i think there can be a great spiritual connection to this word as well jesus brought about radical change or upheaval in fact a whole new religion was started because of this man but it didn't happen until jesus had died risen from the den, dead, and then gone back to heaven. Okay, that's when things really started getting crazy. That's when earthquakes started happening, not in the ground, but in people's hearts. Okay, people's lives were shaken up, never to be the same again. In fact, after Jesus had been alive for 40 days, he was here on this earth for 40 days, he appeared to many people during that time. The disciples were completely convinced, their, their lives were changed, um, because they, they went from being in hiding after Jesus died and, and something clicked. And it, the, what clicked was they had seen the risen Savior themselves. And, and, and they started boldly telling people about it. In fact, after they had received the Holy Spirit, we have the first Christian sermon recorded in the book of Acts. And, and Peter told the crowd, this large crowd was gathered in Jerusalem, and, and he started telling them about Jesus. 
and tell them the story. And he gets to the, to the end, and the people said, it says they were cut to the heart. What, what do we do now? In fact, let me read about it. It's Acts 2, 37 through 39. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So all these spiritual earthquakes were happening in, in, in people's hearts. And it says 3,000 people just that day were baptized. And then day after day, people were coming to Jesus. There's these earthquakes going boom, boom, boom all over the place. And the rest of the New Testament is a story of thousands of lives who were changed by Jesus. In the next 2,000 years, millions of lives have been changed by Jesus. Here's the thing. All of us here today have heard about Jesus. Even if this was your very first time, you've heard something now. And, and once we've heard about Jesus, each one of us has to decide, what am I going to do with Jesus? The resurrection happened, now, now what are you going to do about it? And I believe that God wants to radically change our hearts. He wants to do an upheaval in our hearts because left on our own, we are all sinners, okay? And that's why Jesus came to save us from our sinful selves, but he doesn't force it on us. It's a choice. And so I want to just talk for a few minutes about some of our possible responses to Jesus once we know about him. There's all kinds of responses in the, in the first hours and days after he rose from the dead and, and then in the months and coming years. And the women who first found the empty tomb, their, their response at first was they were scared, but then they ran to tell the other disciples about it. They had to tell somebody. And, and on the way, it says they, they met Jesus on the road, and they stopped, and they worshiped him. Disbelief was, was another response. Peter and John, when, when the ladies got there, and they told them about it, they're like, ah, we got to go check this out for ourselves. So they took off, running to the tomb. They had to see it for themselves. And, and then after Jesus had appeared to all of the disciples, except for Thomas, you remember good old Thomas, he said, nah, I got to see it for myself. I need to see those holes in his hands or I'm not going to believe it. And so there, there's all kinds of responses to Jesus. And throughout history there has been. But I want to touch on some of the common responses today. You can follow along on the back of your bulletins if you'd like. Responses to Jesus. First possible response is to reject him. Okay, many of the Jewish leaders, they could never get themselves to truly accept Jesus. They just couldn't do it. Okay, their, their hearts were too hardened. There was too much at, at stake for them if, to change their ways. They, they knew about Jesus but rejected him. Today, more and more people are rejecting the Jesus of the Bible. They're just saying, no, I don't think it's for me. I don't believe it, or, or I just don't care about it. You know, I'm so thankful that God never rejects those who truly come to him. You ever thought about it? Have you ever put a dollar bill or tried to put a dollar bill in a pop machine or candy machine, and it, you put it in there and it spits it back out, and, and you're just trying to, oh, man, i got to take all the edges off and, and get the crinkles out of the dollar, and you put it back in and it spits it back out, and you try that, like, Ten times, it never happens, and, and, and you want to beat the thing up, okay? Maybe that's just me, but 
But yeah, it's frustrating. You know, God never does that to us. He never says, "We're hey, God, I, I'd like to kind of follow you, I think. And, well, no, you know, I think you better get these things taken care of in your life first and then, then think about it. Or, you know what, I, you, you've, you've sinned just a bit too much. You crossed the line. I, no, I'm sorry. God doesn't do that, does he? When you come to him with an open heart, God says, yes, welcome home. God doesn't reject us, but so many people say, you know what, I, I'm not buying it. I don't want any part of it. And it's sad. So one response, once you've heard about Jesus, is to reject him. Another possible response is to ignore him. A lot of people don't really reject Jesus. They just kind of ignore him. And they kind of stick their heads in a, in a bucket and they, they don't change anything. They, they know about him, but he really doesn't impact their lives. And they might even say they believe in him, but overall they pretty much ignore him. My dog, Snow, has not had a good couple of weeks. And if you live around here, you know my dog, Snow, because you've probably gotten mad at her at some point because she was in the road. Uh, I apologize for that. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, she got hit by a car when she was chasing a motorcycle. And uh, we thought she was going to die. We really did. But I don't know. Snow has like 15 lives or something. So she perked up. And uh, now she's doing great. Um, you know, she got hit by a car like six years ago and thought she was going to die that time. And so she, I don't know. I didn't say she was a smart dog. She's just, <laughs> she's a nice dog, though. I like her. Um, but then a few days ago, Snow found a coffee can and stuck her head in, in it. And uh, she couldn't get it off. And uh, so Jordan was the one who, who saw it and he took a little video of her before he helped her. So let, let's watch. No, you can't see it great, but you'll see it better in a minute here. Is it stuck? That's my dog, Snow. <laughs> You gotta love her. I, I don't know how long she had the can on her head, but there it's like she's accepted it. Okay, I, I guess I got a can on my head the rest of my life. So I'm just telling you this morning that ignoring Jesus is, is the equivalent of sticking your head in a coffee can and saying, I, you know what, this is my life. This is the way it's going to be. And, and, and I, there, it's, I think, a common response in our country for, for people to just kind of blindly go through life and think, oh, man, I'm, I'm looking for happiness or, or, or joy in, in all these different things. And, and all the while, they got their head in a coffee can without Jesus. The easiest thing to do when we sense that God is moving in our lives is to just ignore it. Spiritual earthquake? No, uh, it must be heartburn or something. Just take two Tums and maybe it'll go away. Obviously, I, b I believe that's a poor response as well. But another option is to, to wake up. You can take this stirring in your heart and, and, and choose to, to wake up. And so for some of you, this is going to be a gradual process. But for some of you, it's going to be like somebody's throwing a, a bucket of ice water in your face. That tends to get your attention, doesn't it? 
Now, you think I would really throw water here? You think? <laughs> it's my attempt at an April Fool's joke, yeah. Not a very good one. Afterwards, we're going to have a cleanup party back there. Yeah. Here's the thing. It, it might be time to wake up for some of you. Okay, that there's an initial upheaval in our hearts when we become followers of Christ, and some of you might have that for the very first time. But Christians can fall asleep too. Okay, and I can almost guarantee you that, it, that God is trying to get the attention of some of the, the, the believers here this morning. He's trying to do an earthquake on your heart all over again, and He's saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to stop going through the motions. Wake up! My son has an alarm on his phone, and it's a very annoying voice, and it's in kind of a rap-style voice, and it says, uh, wake up, yo, time to start the day. You know the first step to becoming a superstar is rolling out of bed, and then it goes, <laughs> it repeats it over and over, and it gets louder each time, and, and uh, so the, this was last summer when he was home, he'd do this, and his bedroom's right underneath ours. And he's developed this ability to ignore this thing. <laughs> and I want to throw it out the window. But Ephesians 5.14 says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God might be saying to you, Wake up, yo! It's time to start your life. It's time to start your life with Jesus. What are you waiting for? A good response is to wake up. And then once you're awake, once you've decided you're open to Jesus, you have to decide if you're ready to say yes. Maybe you're starting to feel like God is doing a, a little earthquake on your heart, or maybe it's a big one, and you're starting to wonder, what, okay, now what do I do? What's the next step? Well, if you've never said yes to Jesus for the very first time, you're saying, I'm ready to give my life to him, to repent of my sins and, and confess who Jesus is and then be baptized. Just like the, the people who responded to, to Peter's sermon that we talked about earlier that were cut to the heart. You're cut to the heart. You're ready to respond, and that would be so awesome. Most of you have made that decision to respond a long time ago, but maybe it's time to go in all, all in again. This is a, there's a verse that God has really been using in my life recently, and it's, it's from the book of Isaiah, and it came after time when the, the Israelites had, had fallen from God and not been following him, but, but God was faithful to them and he, and he was ready to bring them back into the fold. And in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love that. God is ready to do a new thing for the nation of Israel, and He's ready to do a new thing in your life if you'll let Him. Is it time to say yes to Jesus for the first time or maybe all over again? And then once you've responded to Jesus, you've said yes to Jesus, the proper next step is to live for Him. Okay, sometimes I think in, 
in American Christianity, we've, we made it all about a one-time event, but I, it's a one-time and the rest of your life. It's every day, 365 days a year. That This means at your job, this means at school, this means in your extracurricular activities. Your whole filter is through being a follower of Jesus. What does it look like to be a mom and, and dad for Jesus? What does it look like to be a, a grandma and grandpa for, for Jesus? What does it look like to follow Jesus even when nobody else is around? And those who have truly experienced both ways, living for themselves and, and living sold out for Jesus, man, they never regret it. I guarantee it. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, Right? We are works in progress. I mean, I'm getting pretty close myself to perfection, but you guys keep... No, just just kidding, just kidding. We, we are all on a journey, right, together. And our goal is to just completely live our lives for Jesus. And then I want to add one more response, and, and that's to, to help stir the hearts of others. And this is kind of an extension of the last one, but... But a really cool thing, and I think amazing thing, is that God uses people. Okay, I don't know why he does this, because we are all so imperfect. But God has decided in his infinite wisdom that he's going to work with imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. And many times spiritual earthquakes are started because one person is reaching out to another person and just showing them the love of Jesus and just loving on them. And sometimes it happens quickly, and sometimes it takes a long time, even years, before they respond to that. But God uses people to help start radical change in the lives of other people. On the day that Jesus died, an earthquake helped announce the Son of God had been killed. On the day of the resurrection, another earthquake helped announce that Jesus was alive. And God has been performing spiritual earthquakes ever since that time. These earthquakes have caused upheaval and radical change in people's lives. And I hope your life is one that has been changed because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Praise God, Jesus is alive. And it changed everything. Has it changed you? Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are alive. We're thankful for what that means to each of us. Lord, if there's pe people here that, that are feeling a spiritual earthquake in their hearts, I pray that you will just help them to, to know what next steps to take whether it be for the first time or whether it be all over again. Lord, I pray that every one of us will be sold out for you, ready to live our lives for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.